podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever it is you are listening to this recording. We're back again with another edition of Courtside Fracas, regular weekly NBA coverage from the UK for the UK. The only thing more certain than us dropping every week is Kawhi's mid-range jumper and the New York Knicks losing out a little bit in the draft lottery. Uh, so two series we're not going to touch on. <laughs> two series we're not going to touch on too much today, mainly because we went into a bit more depth on our midweek drop on Patreon.com forward slash courtside fracas is Denver v Utah and um, Boston v Philadelphia. So in their game threes, just as a summary, Boston earned a 102 to 94 win over the Sixers. Um, Philadelphia, I guess, just ran out of ideas, sort of defaulted to a bit of bully ball, playing through and beating the low post more than they have done. Got a bit of foul trouble out of Boston. And, and although they were successful in that, they weren't really successful in stopping Boston's run to the second round. Uh, Boston now just one win off of a sweep. Uh, and yeah, back to the drawing board for Philly, really. We don't know if this is part of that process or, or just a real sad end to it, but we'll see what happens with them. Uh, also, things heating up in the, in the Midwest, Utah v... Denver, after all the tight games in Orlando, it was actually a blowout pretty much for, for Utah. Starting five of Denver just getting battered, being rested for the entire fourth quarter. I think Nikola Jokic might now regret elbowing Rudy Gobert in the jaw in game two because he's been on fire since. Um, Mike Connolly, after the birth of his, of his little one, seven of eight from three. So, Boy, uh, two one to Utah off of that. Mike Malone. You saying si, you, you relate, yeah? Size like that, yeah. I relate, bro. Size like yeah, man. <laughs> Flying off at the weeks. moment. No one wants to see me. What I'm telling you, no. But yeah, worrying signs for Denver, to be fair. Um, and I'll be real, side. We're also not going to really talk about Brooklyn, Toronto, because it will surprise no one that the Nets development squad is three 0 down. Um, you, you've got ten seconds on the clock now, side, to just tell us if anything interesting has happened in that series. Yeah, uh, so Raptors are showing that team defense is going to win out in this this uh, playoffs. Playing superb zone, uh, basically funneling things through one man, basically causing Levert to make mistakes and to play make as opposed to score. So uh, watch out for that in other playoff series because uh, that type of coverage is going to be very very useful. The box do not want to see them. Just just watching how uh, the Magic are defending the box and. Obviously, they don't have the same individual defenders that the Raptors have. And they also, on the other end, don't have the same scoring talent the Raptors have. The Bucks do not want to see the Raptors at all, in my opinion. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, yeah, so on to other business. And as start the pod proper, before we get into, into the first round and all that's been happening, um, Obi, I'm going to throw over to you as, as the man most concerned with, with the draft lottery. Um, <laughs> For new fans, anyone listening, uh, draft time is, is pretty exciting time of year. It's when the internet nerds really come out and earn their stripes online because they've been watching more college ball than normal people. Um, lottery is is what it says. Uh, a lot of teams who finish outside the playoffs and finish low, the lower you finish, the higher your percentage chance of getting a higher pick for the best talents of the upcoming draft class. Um, if you make the most of it, you can really do well. If you make the least of it, you can just pass on Luka Doncic or, or even trade him like the Hawks did. So uh, draft lottery came out. If we go reverse order, uh, Boston off of a Memphis pick, finishing 14th. New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio, Phoenix, 
Washington. And then this is where it gets interesting. Despite all of the uh, lovely, we'll call it tanking as opposed to just losing by the uh, New York Knicks. They actually dropped, what was it, two, three places, allowing Chicago to jump up two spots. Um, I think it was Charlotte to jump up three spots ahead of them, pushing them down to eighth. Seventh, Detroit. Sixth, Atlanta. Fifth, Cleveland. Fourth, Chicago. Third, Charlotte. Second, Golden State. Very, very interesting considering who's coming back next year in Stephen Clay. Um, and number one pick, Minnesota. So, interesting one there. Um, this is probably the, the only time for a few weeks you're going to hear some of those teams who we're very glad to not have to watch in this bubble. Obi, what are your thoughts on, on the draft lottery and, and who can take mo most advantage of that? Um, I can't say I'm that bothered about the draft this year because I didn't expect us to get like a top three pick. I think last year it's I did. a weak draft anyway. Like, yeah. Like last year we finished, we had the worst record. So I'm thinking, okay, we're going to get top pick. And obviously Zion was in the draft. So I mean, let's not, let's not lie. A lot of Knicks fans had already edited Zion in Knicks. Uni. I mean, yeah. In between <laughs> KD and Harry. And KD. <laughs> so that yeah. went well. <laughs> but like, yeah, obviously we, we got the eighth pick in this one. Um, it's not the strongest draft cast, as Reem said. So, like, I'm not super fussed. I'm only fussed for the point that I want Mellow Ball. Um, even I'm not sure how he's going to turn out. But I just like the, I like him and I like the family. So just I for the vibes. Him. Just for yeah. the vibes. The thing is, I feel like every year they say this draft is not deep. This draft is not deep. What it really comes down to is the organisation any players go into. Like, these guys are talented college basketball players. You go to the right organisation and they'll cultivate your talent and they make a player out of you. So, really, you can be picking 8th, you can be picking 10th, you can be picking 15th. If you're an organisation who historically got somebody like the Spurs, who are so great at identifying talent here and foreignly, then the draft is, is, is fine for you. So, the Knicks aren't that. So, to be honest with you, you might have had the first pick and wouldn't have picked Lamelo or Anthony Edwards anyway. So, at least with uh, the eighth pick, you, you have an excuse for your, your poor choice. This and year. also, it's not, just, it's not just making the right pick, Moreo, but it's like, look at the heat when they get people like Duncan Robinson, yeah. um, mm. off of nothing, Kendrick Nunn, deep, uh, uh, Tyler Hero at 13th, and they've contributed to just being immediate NBA-level players. I think the yeah. problem with this is uh, maybe when it comes to talent ID and talent development, Knicks maybe not not uh, got a great track record, but I think Obi makes a good point as well. And Reams in terms of it not being a strong draft, but like you say, there's no standout. It's just not the standout. This is the thing. There's no Zion and there's no Jar Morant, but people said last year's draft behind them wasn't great either. And there's loads of contributors who fell a little bit deeper. So even second round players who contributed. So it's an interesting one. I think there's a lot of talent in that kind of like three to fourteen. So. Hopefully, I think the Knicks just need to go for someone who's an immediate contributor, if I'm honest. I, I want to think... trade up. To what trade do you up need? What, what, what do you, I mean, you need loads of things, but what do you, what well, would be the immediate? Everything, I, I would <laughs> like, I, they brought in Tom Thibodeau, who doesn't play rookies anyway, so. Yeah, that was an interesting <laughs> choice, man. Well, that's why you needed someone immediately, like Obi Toppin's, what, 23, 22, four-year player or something? He can contribute, if not yeah. be yeah. a worldie. Obi Toppin is good. He's one of the few, like, one they say he's yeah, NBA like. ready, they say. So, so well, you already have about six power forwards. So, Reams, Reams, <laughs> am, I, am I wrong in, in thinking that you are a, I don't want to out you, but have Minnesota leanings? I'm a, yeah, I'm a Timberwolves fan. So, where, where do you think they should go with this oh. number one? Is it a trading chip or is it an opportunity to get someone in? Um, so, what we really need, what we really need is someone that's, we need like a, a big man that's like a defensive anchor that could defend because Cat 
Cat Cat is trying better on that end, but he's not really known for his defense. He doesn't really have the kind of like um he doesn't really have the defensive instincts or IQ, but he, he he's athletic and he's quick, so he can do something. But we really need like a, a good we need like a Paul Millsap kind of four that could stretch the floor and could take a couple different assignments. So like that. So I I wasn't expecting us to get the um number one pick. So I wanted us to get um on Kongu. You know that he, he used to play with um the, the Borgers at Chino Hills. Mm. He's, I I, like I, I'm not the biggest fan, but I always read up on it. But he's spoken of really highly, especially with no March Madness yeah. this year. They're going a lot on reputation, so he's he's spoken yeah. of high. So I'm he, he's a good, he's a good, he's got he's got good upside. Um, but now because you've got the number one, pick, it's an open option. So um, we could get Melo Ball, Anthony Edwards, both of those would be good because um. Right now, we really lack um, playmaking outside of D'Angelo Russell. So, uh, so like, ideally, you wouldn't want D'Angelo Russell to be handling the ball for, like, the whole game. You'd want to bring in another ball handler, and um, Melo Ball and Anthony Edwards both give you that. So, either of those two, I think, will be good. Mm. Um, what that also means now is we have Malik Beasley. Um, he's going to be a restricted free agent. We have his bird rights and everything like that. So if he gets any good offer, we can match it. Mm-hmm. But towards the end of the season, he was playing so well, he's probably played himself into like a good contract. You know what I mean? Like maybe like 10, 10 million a year, 50 million a year, which we can't really afford. So if we get someone good in the draft, that means we don't have to spend on Beasley and we maybe could bring back Juan Hernan Gomez instead for a little bit cheaper, who will give us some depth in that four position. So it's opened up some really good avenues for us in the draft. Um, Timberwolves in the in Timberwolves drafting has kind of been hit and miss, but we got a new, we got a whole new front office now with Gersa on Rosas. He was he was he used to work for the Houston Rockets um, under Daryl Morey. Good guy, another analytics guy. Since he's come in, he's made good trades. He's the one that set up the Wiggins trade to get us um Russell and um Hernan Gomez and Malik Beasley, which like kind of made us exciting towards the back end of the season, mm. but. If we get in one of these young guards that could handle the ball, could score, and then build around a core of Cat, D'Lo, one of these other young guards, and then bring in guys that could defend but shoot, because we have guys that could defend. Our best defender right now is Josh Okogie, right? But he's, a, he's, a, he's like an amazing defender. Like, you see, he's an amazing defender, but he can't shoot. And then we have Jarrett Culver, who's also got amazing defensive upside as well, and he could... He could handle the ball a bit as well. He could get to run, but he can't shoot either. So it's either we draft one of these guys and build around them, or we draft them and, and put together a package with one of these other young guys, maybe like a Lamelo Ball, Jarrett Culver, and see what we could get in the market. Maybe like a Bradley Bill. People saying Devin Booker. I don't know. That seems a bit far fetched. Yeah, I'm not sure. Phoenix. <laughs> uh, they got their own rebuild. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah, know yeah, how yeah, happy they'd be about that one. We can maybe put together a package for maybe a Bradley Bill or something like that. So it's given us so many options to go through. But I, I feel like Rosas will... I feel like he might draft Anthony Edwards because, mm. because Melo Bulls, he's kind of... I want to say similar to D'Lo, but they, they're both kind of like... I don't know, because Melo, Melo Bulls is, is, is a bit of a playmaker as well. He's, you he's, want the ball in one of their hands. He shoots worth Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no one no really, no, no yeah, yeah, really yeah. looking for like a pass first point guard in this era. So maybe you'll go for Anthony Edwards, who's more a natural off guard to pair him with D 
Delo. And I think Anthony Edwards has more defensive potential as well. So I think we might go for him and then see if we could um, build with Joshua Kogi at the three. And then hopefully we could get like a good three and D kind of stretch forward type of guy that could help provide some defensive cover for Cat in the big man positions as well. And then, yeah, have something going. When it comes to those packages you spoke of about potentially trading for, say, Bill or Booker, because I, I, I genuinely believe that Booker trade could happen. Um, I think he's he's now at that level where he's going to want to be in the playoffs year in, year out, and his potential to do so is going to be exponentially higher if he's at the Timberwolves than anywhere else with Cat and D'Lo, who are good friends of his. So um, what could you guys put together for for one of those big contracts. So let's say we um let's say we trade we draft Lamelo Ball. So we have Lamelo Ball who would be the number one pick in the draft and then we have Jarrett Culver who we took at I mean number 6 last season. Really young player, young kid um got um great defender, good length for for the uh, off guard position could play the free as well. Athletic could get to the rim but he can't shoot. The upside is there. The upside is clearly there, but he had struggles with his shooting. So, Mellow Ball, Jarrett Culver. You got to throw in some picks as well, brother. I don't. We'd, we'd have to throw in some. We'd have to throw in maybe some first rounders. Your, your next four draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, it's not. It's we gave up. We gave up a lot of our good pieces to get um D'Lo in the first place. We gave up Gorgie Jang, who's a good player. Um, we gave up Kater Bates Diop, who I really like. He's at, the, he's at the Nuggets. He's not really getting much minutes, but KB Steelp was a player that I really liked as well. Um, so other than that, that's why, that's why I said, I feel like it would be more likely for us to get Bradley Bill than Booker because I don't think, right now, especially with how well the Suns have done in the bubble, I don't think, unless Booker really wants to leave, I don't think Lamelo Ball and Jarrett Culver and a, and a couple first-rounders would be enough to send. Unless so... The, the, the most we could do is put in Jarrett Culver and Joshua Kogi, but I don't think Rosas would do that. That's like, that's pretty much 50% of our young core, you know what I mean? But that that would probably be the best package. A Lamelo Ball, Jarrett Culver, Joshua Kogi, and a couple first rounders. But I don't, yeah. I, I, I honestly don't think he'll give up Joshua Kogi, honest to God. Yeah, like, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I think it's, 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 it's interesting. It's a lot to do with how much these other teams value the top end of this draft, I think, and whether you can package something. But we will go into the into the draft uh, a lot deeper further into the summer. Um, speaking of draft successes, I think we can straight away get into our first, uh, first round series, and that is uh, the Clippers against the Mavericks. Um, Sai, you, you, you've watched a lot of this series, so if you start us off just with your, your game one and two general takeaways, and then maybe we, we follow the pattern for all the series of going into game three uh, from, from the other day a little bit a little bit more. Game one was sort of marred by controversy, uh, with Porzingis being ejected. Uh, which... Wrongfully. I'm not, I'm not letting you... I'm an R with that. Come on, man. That was soft. I mean, it's a tech. It is a tech. I think both the texts were soft. That's the problem. I think you could... Another the game, they both the go by. That's what's funny. The first one wasn't a tech. Definitely. Yeah. I, they're both techs for me, personally. <laughs> I, are, you a, are you a big fan of officiating? Are you a big fan of uh, rule-keeping in the NBA? I'm getting that vibe from you. You uh, like the refs, I can't lie, so. 
Yeah, I think I think it it naturally loosens up when the when the stakes get higher. But certain things is sort of like the refs do have to set a bit of a precedent um, as early on. Otherwise, things do spiral out of control. So I think technicals. Mind, are, I think technicals are so difficult and controversial because of how inconsistent they can be. Like you'll see one guy come down from a dunk one way, get a tech. And then you'll see another guy come down from a dunk the same way, not noticed. So I think that's that's where maybe the frustration came from. But like you said, it it, it was controversial because of how even the the first game was going to that point. Precisely, and I I think one of the one of the big things that I've noticed is Pozingas and Doncic have tried to stamp a bit more of a of a ruthless edge to their game. Um, both of them are like responding to contact quite quite well at times. Um, they're talking a lot more than they normally do. And I think that is to combat the sort of approach that the Clippers are trying to take. I mean, even, we'll fast forward and then double back a little bit. But last game, game three, you'd think one of the one Clippers you're not really going to bring it to is Montrez Harrell. But Doncic, I mean, there's a lot of thing of who was in whose head and who had who rattled. They both look like fully equal in terms of getting at each other there. A shouting in a man's face on the floor to stop flopping, and then Harold coming back at him, and I was just like, "Right, okay, okay, Luca." Precisely, and I think uh, what what we're seeing now is um, in Game Three in particular, um, Marcus Morris has been put on to Doncic for a lot of the coverage, uh, just to basically have a body stuck to him at all time. Um, there was there was a lot of switching towards the end of Game Three. Um, but primarily, they are trying to keep it quite honest, especially because of the fact that Paul George has pretty much disappeared on defense and offense. Playoff P. No, no, speak on that. Speak on that. Now, do you know what? I'm gonna let. I'm gonna Harold. I'm gonna give you your time for that. I'm gonna uh, when we're done with the games, we're gonna Whatever. give you a PG platform. Don't watch. Whatever that. Paul George has, I don't want it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Clippers, Clippers leading it, leading it. Clippers leading it two one at the moment. Um, Kawhi side really did. We talk about Paul George. Kawhi, especially in Game Three, really put the team on his back. Kawhi from mid range is oh, a mechanical, mechanical instrument. The man is absolutely superb. Um, one of the things that's impressed me is he's tried to delegate over courses over the series, and then when it gets to moments where guys are missing consecutive shots, put, puts the ball in his own hands pretty much and just goes yeah. to work. Did that, and... did that did that last year as well. I think we spoke about it last pod as well, um, Sai. The mid-rangers are dying out in, in, in the NBA, and it, obviously because they all play the numbers. Either you want a two-pointer that's going to be at the rim, or you want, if you're taking a, a less um, statistically, uh, a statistically likely of going in shot, you want it to be a three-point shot. But when the playoffs come, people are either defending the paint and not letting you get into the paint, or they're defending that three-point line and telling you to come in to that area in between. So people like Kawhi who have honed that, and he's still an elite player from free, and he's still able to get to the rim. People like Kawhi who've honed that part of their game, it's, it's, it's money for them. Like you see with LeBron, and I'm sure Harold will speak on this as well, he's still hesitant to take that jumper. Like they'll, they'll open that up for him. And he's like, when he's hot from there, he's hot from there, but he's still hesitant. And that's always been something in his career that's let him down somewhat. But I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest players ever. There's not so much it can do to let him down. But yeah, when you watch Kawhi, lovely, beautiful. Sorry, before you go on, I'm speaking about Kawhi. Could you touch on his, his defence as well? Because I've, no, I've noticed, Nee touched it in the group as well. You watch him closely, he's not that same guy he was last series, last year and the year. Well, it was before. intense. 
Yeah, he's not. He's they're not protecting. They're protecting him. Um, he is dropping into areas similar to what Harden has been doing in the um, series against OKC, which we'll definitely get to. Um, in moments where they sort of play a zone, they drop him deeper into the paint um, and basically just wall up a bit to prevent Doncic and Porzingis from just going off. So he he is getting a lot of uh, tips and he's getting a lot of swipes and things. Um, but they're not making him God man on man at the moment. I don't think that was, now's the right time for them to anyway. No. Um, the pick and roll actions between Pozingas and Doncic have been absolutely lethal. So it basically just wastes energy. And well, this is what I was going to ask. Si. Like, I mean, a lot of us had this down as one of the tightest series. And also, it's easy to forget that Luka Doncic is Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic can get most shots that he wants, even at, what, 21, however many years, two years, three years in the league. Um, second year in the league. And also, if this is going to be a tight series, you want to keep Kawhi for that second round conference finals. But going back to the, the Mavs offense, how much of this um, Clippers defense, maybe the switch is not being perfect and, and go into the zone? And how much of that is just a credit to what the Mavs are doing offensively? Because even the role players have been shooting really well. Porzingis, I think, has played exceptionally well. Uh, and Doncic, okay, the shot's not there yet, but he's still racking up points. Correct, yeah. I, I think they're, they're sort of trying to pick their poison at the minute, uh, the Clippers. Um, I know in game two, they started with Reggie Jackson, whereas in game three, they went with Landry Shamet as the main uh, ball handler, if, if you would. Um, and ba ba basically, on defense, what that allows them to do is just play a bit more honest. Um, switching on the screen is great. But realistically, when, when you have guys like Doncic who can basically just get those blow buys, you want to pin somebody on him and maybe not switch as often. Uh, force him to beat you at the rim or force him to play make. Um, at the minute, they're going the route of trying to force him to score as opposed to getting other guys involved, which in game three in particular worked worked up until he went off with a uh, with an ankle sprain. So... Uh, they they actually played really good defense in game three. It was it was a lot more active and a lot more aggressive than it had been uh, previously in the series. And and before we get over to hot take Hizzy for his hot tizzies on the uh, playoff P pandemic P George Paul as Harold likes to call him um, when it gets to this time of year um, Doncic injury like you said I mean I haven't actually seen any news on that. I thought he was unlikely for game four. It didn't look great. I know he came out yeah. like, what are you doing, bro? You're, you're down and your ankle's hurt. Don't play on it again. But Can I ask a question that. about that, actually? Yeah. If you're the coach and he says, oh, yeah, I want to go in, like, what, do you, what do you do? I tell him, sit scenario? down, fam. Rick Carlisle is an experienced coach. If he says that and Luka Doncic will listen to him, mm. like, Rick Carlisle's a good coach. Um, he's, he's got all the respect in Dallas. I think if you're... If you're Somewhere like the Knicks, where there's more of a rotational revolving door. No, I didn't even. Oh my god, I didn't even mean it like that. If, or, or if you're Jim Boylan, let's go there. If you're Jim Boylan and the players aren't listening to you, then okay, you don't have the the standing. But I don't know whose decision that was. But I was a bit like, come on, man, yeah. this is it serious. Was so you know? clear, it was so clear that he couldn't. He could barely walk. Yeah, like, man. And it, I mean, there. doubtful for Game Four. You don't know how much that exacerbated it. But yeah. uh, say, last word. I mean, two one down now. Um, no Doncic potentially for game four. Porzingis obviously being massive in losing out on the end of game one, which turned into a loss. Does it look like the, the cards are just dealt against the Mavericks to get through this series a little bit now? 
Yeah, I think I think the Clippers' quality is just going to prevail anyway. Um, Montres Harrell has been playing with a lot of energy, and I think he's got back. He's got back into it quickly. I'll be, I'll be fair. So I see. Um, so yeah, I, I I do think the Clippers just have too much talent and too many different ways to win. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I I can't really see the Mavs stay, staying in it for the whole series. Uh, so I'd say it'll probably go six games. Um, but yeah. Doncic, Doncic needs to try and sit out and recover fully because long term that could cause a bit more problems than than it's worth. So unfortunately, they'll probably try and play him. Fair, fair. So Harold, mate, spotlights on you. Paul George has maybe been um, maybe not as much a hindrance because he's still he's still done a bit on defense. He's a two-way guy. Let's not forget that. He's not a pure, pure scorer. And he's come out and said that, that he shouldn't be just judged on how many buckets he gets. Um, how do you think he's handling this playoff pressure with the spotlight on the Clippers as a favorite? You know what? It's, it's a weird one because he's been critical before in the past. And me calling him George Paul, I'm not the first person to call him that. The reason why people are critical of him is not from his regular season games, it's from his postseason games. As we saw, <laughs> even though they didn't even play badly in that series, as you saw from Dame waving him goodbye last year. The problem I have with PG is, is that he's too acceptant. He's too acceptant of, the, of just playing second fiddle. He never wants to be the guy when it matters in the, in the biggest pressure moments. In the last two games combined from the field, he has, he has shot seventh and 33 from the field. Guys, that is 21% from the field. Three from, 16, three from 16 in the last game, 18% in the last game. So That is unbelievably poor. Like, I, I, it's ridiculous. And on social media, you see him put up posts saying this and that, sharing memes. That look, the screenshot looked like it was from like 2011 or something like that. Awful. He's almost, he invites the pressure on him. And then when it, comes to, when it comes to crunch time, he doesn't show up. He needs to understand that the criticisms he's getting are worried. That's, that's the main thing. And I'm just... I'm not impressed. That's all I'm saying. Like, he's, he's too willing to show up in a, reg, a regular season game where the seasons are basically already done. But in postseason, when it matters, yeah, Kawhi, you do your thing. I'll just stay here and keep missing. Yeah, he's an interesting uh, one. How, he's an interesting yeah, I was going to bring up the Pacers, for example. That's what I was going to say. Like, he's, he's had big playoff series earlier in his career. And, you know, um, even before he came to OKC... Uh, he had a couple of seasons where he'd start like the first 20 or so games playing absolutely ridiculous defense, scoring 25, close to 30 points. And everyone will be like, MVP candidate, MVP candidate. Then we get to like January, December, January, then his form will start. To, it happened like for two seasons in a row. Um, there's something there that's not quite. And then he gets to the postseason and then he just, for the last few seasons, just hasn't been able to deliver on the offensive end. Um, yeah, he, for me, one of probably the most... 10, 15 most talented guys in the league. So to see him play like this in the playoffs consistently is it's a shame, man. Because... And there's no fans. Where's the pressure? Bro, it's just yeah. you, some people on Zoom in, in the back, and your boy Kawhi. What, what's going on? You need to show up. Lugo's out performing. Kawhi, Kawhi's an interesting point. Harold, just... Harold well, you bring up Kawhi. Uh, people often said that uh, Westbrook, you know, he's getting in the way. Well, now you've got a guy who can lead, can win, can create, can score, can defend. 
I don't know how you can't play well with Kawhi. What's his right? excuse this time? What's his excuse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't play this time, bro. For real, he has he has every everything there for him. I, I couldn't think of it being a, a, more, a more better fit. Like he can be that number two guy he wants to be. But my goodness, he's barely even the fifth guy at this rate. Montrez, bless him, just, just lost his grandmother, came back. It's already outperforming him. Like, what, what is going on? I mean, defensively, as we said, he's always going to be a good defender because he's a good basketball player. However, when it matters on the offensive end, he is poor in the post. Mm. And I just, honestly, it has to be a mental thing. It has to because it you can't go from being this good in regular to literally playing the exact same ball with zero fans... In the exact same courts, you're, there's no home or away, there's no travel, but suddenly it's postseason now, you know that mentally, and you're performing below par. It's inexcusable, in my opinion. The issue with him as well is when he starts playing poor, it's like he stops getting shots as well. Like, he's, like, it's, like he just falls into the darkness. Almost like, like he hides. It's almost like he hides. Yeah. Like Westbrook will go like five, nah. like 20. Five from 100. <laughs> five of like 40, like he'll keep trying. Like, Paul Jordan will go. Paul George would be like two of 16 and stop Yeah, shooting. and just stop yeah, shooting. It's so yeah. weird. It's so funny. There's this thing Dion Waiters said. Dion Waiters was like, I'd rather go zero for 30 than zero for nine because if I went zero for nine, that means I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dion Waiters has some dumb quotes, man. Oh, my days. I respect that one, though, man. Just yeah, without shooting, man. Yeah. <laughs> Got some dumb edibles as well, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, Harold, last word. If uh, if Paul George carries on with his with this shooting form, still contributes defensive end, but still gets his 37, 38, 40 minutes a game, is that going to prevent the Clippers winning, Harold? Or do you think the depth is there enough in terms of a Shamit coming off the bench, in terms of Jackson being able to contribute in limited minutes, in terms of Lou Will when he gets back into the swing of everything? Do you think Paul George could be the decider in whether or not they, they lose this championship at this current form? Will he need to pick it up? Or is he lucky in the situation he's in that he's around enough depth? Do you mean do you mean this champ do you mean the series or the I entire mean, championship? The entire thing. So this is yeah. where are the series they'll get through. I think fine. Yeah, yeah. Then then yes, abs absolutely. Kawhi is phenomenal, but he honestly can't like Fortunately, he had the likes of Van Vliet, Pascal last year. He cannot, he cannot be carrying a passenger like, like PG has been. Honestly, he'll, he'll be the detriment. And let's not forget, as great as the Mavericks are on, on, offense, on offense, they are just as poor on D. So, I mean, like, they're going to they're gonna wipe the floor with Mavs anyway. Don't let that be an indication of, of the Clippers' greatness. Like, I think we predicted it, the fact that they're going to get a high-scoring point. Well, I certainly did. High-scoring points, at least. And they're going to win. I'm surprised they even dropped one game. However. To win a championship, PG can't be shooting three from 16. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Cool. I mean, we'll, we'll move across LA now uh, to, your, to your Lakers, Harold. Um, big win last night against the Portland Trailblazers, going two up in their series, 116 to 108, although that probably makes it sound closer than it, than it really is. Um, LeBron, I mean, you've got, we've got to read his stat line, essentially, of, of what he'd done. 38 points. Um, 12 rebounds, eight assists, I believe. And that was with missing a, a fair chunk of free throws. My oh, big man. question is, was this normal playoff LeBron or was he particularly inspired by the three pages he's read of Malcolm X's autobiography? <laughs> <laughs> that's nasty. That's nasty. Um, man, that was, that's nasty. That was, that was, that was, that was, I was embarrassed for him. I was embarrassed for him. I couldn't watch the video. I couldn't watch it. I it was just so say, hey, 
Taylor Rooks knew exactly what she was yeah. doing. She knew exactly what she was doing. She's oh, on a winder. You, 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 so you looked at her like, come on, man. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, you know, the worst thing about it all, though, is, is literally on the way into the stadium, he had, like, his hip-hop historian T-shirt on, listing Illmatic, ATLians, Machiavelli. Uh, I can't remember what the other two were. With the book in his hand. Then he's on the spin bike with the book in his hand. And I'm pretty sure there was also a story where he had the book next to a Beats pill that said, I am more than an athlete, playing the new Nas garbage and... I'm just like, is this his marketing run to become a hotep or something? Like, what's what's going on here? Yeah, it's, I mean, Adam, Adam Silver pushed the new season back beyond December first. If LeBron gets halfway through the book by then, I'll be impressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a nice look. Like, honestly, he was wearing some Nike um, cycling shorts, some Beats in his ears. Like, he was just he just looked like a, a massive um, advertising campaign. It wasn't a good look. And that video, I can't lie to you, it killed me. And then I saw another tweet you showing like LeBron loves to read the first pages of books. Listen, I died. Every book, every book. I died. <laughs> I died. There's nine or twelve photos of him on the third page of every book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. bookmark. He needs to stop using bookmarks, man, because you should know I'm only on page three. Because we can tell exactly where you are, yeah, mate. Like for real, man. It's so bait. Like, but anyway, going back to the actual game. Fortunately, yeah, um, like yeah, yeah. rooms. Say again, Reeves. Anyone here? Buddy, like a creative course. Basically, I have right. There's this thing what we have to do, like where whenever we have a brief or idea, we have to like pitch our idea to like like either you pitch it to the two or you pitch it in front of the whole class. Me now, I'm a guy that likes to come up with my idea like five minutes before I have to pitch it, right? So, big. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm waffling and they have to listen to my waffle and make it seem like I really thought through what I'm saying. That's what LeBron is doing. Yeah, yeah. I can spot that a mile off. LeBron, LeBron is making stuff up in his head as he's going along. Taylor Rook asked him, what have you learned from the book? He's making stuff up in his head as he's going along. And you can see him doing it. A very, very, very goes, smart man. Um, a smart man. I would have liked to meet. I would have liked to meet him. And yeah, you know, you read that book and you feel like. Enough. Enough. The worst enough, thing. Enough. Wait. The final enough. word. Final word. Right. Because it's one <laughs> thing to do that, but I imagine Reams even has the humility to just, you know, kind of know he's bragging, uh, blagging a little bit. LeBron, when he said. The 60s is still happening now. Looked away and looked up. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? James, man. Yeah, enough, enough, enough. Anyway, the game, he played well. Hey, it worked. He played well. We, 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 we slowed him enough. It definitely was. It definitely was. It was, it was necessary. Uh, as far as the game went, <laughs> last night, yeah, it was brilliant, man. He was brilliant. One thing I did notice, uh, from game one and two, you didn't, you didn't have... Uh, Gary Trent or Melo guarding him at full court. So they did that in game two. They limited him to 10 points. He also shot poorly anyway. Um, they decided not to for some reason. It was really, I'll touch it in, in another respect. Um, but yeah, they decided not to and he gets, how many get? 36 points, if I'm not mistaken? 38. 38. Oh, 38. Goodness me. And, and that was and that was a lot of important points. There was a stretch in the third, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was the third. Um, where he was, it was basically just him. Like he was, he was like, you know, well, let, me, let me get this team back in. Let me get my my buckets. Let me get this team back in the in the mix of it. There's one other thing I would notice is that, on top of the fact that Portland played 
product full court in game two worked well. Uh, Lakers also played smaller ball, so AD at the five, more so last game, and it worked well. Not too sure why they decided to go two bigs when LeBron was on the court. Perhaps they were trying to, trying to like fully like, get on top of um, Nurkic, who has just been... Well, do you know what? It's interesting you say that, Harold. That's one of the things I found really interesting. Especially, It was the third quarter. Uh, now, I'm not 100% on this stat. I saw it flash up on the coverage. I think there's 40 points scored by the Lakers in the third quarter. And they, I think that may be even a record for a playoff third quarter. I don't know. But those, that two bigs, putting McGee on there with a little bit more energy... Nurkic, for me, was completely gassed out by the third and fourth. Nurkic right? is costing the Portland this season. And, well, and then if he is gassed out, we were saying, uh, me and Moreo, a little bit earlier, Hassan Whiteside is not a playoff calibre replacement for anyone. So, putting those two bigs on, putting uh, McGee next to Davis, I think that just panicked Portland. I really do. And I, it's not worked for the Lakers. Because a lot, but I think it was a really shrewd move by Vogel to do it in this game just to really stretch Nurkic. And it worked. It worked. It did work very well. And I don't know if it worked. Yeah, yeah. been that bad. I don't, know if, I, don't, I don't know if it's just me. I, I think because Hassan Whiteside has kind of like this reputation as a clown, I actually think like he's like. I can't hear he reams. sent Bron and AD. Reams, Reams, Reams. You've got that. You've got that talk. Talk. <laughs> reams. You've got that talk net connection today, bro. We didn't hear anything of what you just said. You have to. Oh, hold on. To... Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me let me change the location. Let me change the location. Okay. You cool. don't, you don't continue. You don't continue. Okay. Cool. So okay, while so while Reams was set up, I think Reams was back in Hassan Whiteside. And but yeah, so we, we I, can't really I, add to I, that. To be honest, I, I, can't, I can't agree. <laughs> no, I can't agree. He does it. He does a bit. He protects the rim. He gets some rebounds, but it's the playoffs, man. And he's such a step down. From Nurkic, it, it's visible. It's visible. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. On, on that note, so what I would say that Lakers did very well is their offensive boards. The intensity on, on, on off second chance points was supreme, especially in game two. So Portland played um, Wenyan Gabriel, who has an interesting Uber story, but I won't, I won't, I won't share today. Um, but he has like a, he has a great intensity that's different to... Um, that's different to uh, Nurkic and Whiteside. So perhaps it's his youth, or perhaps he's just, he's, I don't know, he's just not afraid of anything. But he was, he was getting in a bit of foul trouble, but he was given some resistance on the defensive end. Funnily enough, he only played four minutes this game, and it was very telling. Like, it was, uh, it was absolute ease. It was at absolute ease for the likes of AD and McGee to both get the defensive, defensive and offensive boards. So what the Lakers do well, as we know, is their defence. And they've almost been defensively offensive, if that makes sense. So the same way they have intensity grabbing boards on the defensive end, they do the same on the offensive end that results in second chance points. And ultimately, that is the factor between the two teams. That and the fact that AD is deciding to actually play basketball in the postseason. I think as well, if you, if you look at that third quarter where you really won the game, I think Melo went six for six in, from the field in that Probably. third quarter and if it wasn't for if it wasn't for his mid-range jumpers and they were contested so I, I was thinking what are you doing but he, he pulled them off dialed it back to 2011 or wherever if it wasn't for that it would that really papered over the cracks I think I think they would have been completely out of it and it would have been a blowout if it wasn't for that in that third quarter Dame Dame relatively kept it respectable in the third but CJ McCollum was out of it Nurkic out of it and and the depth beyond those guys is, isn't enough and I, that's why I think you've just got this I think last night was the the swinger the clincher for the series if I'm honest in the, in the seeding games Gary Trent was cash money and since then yeah. 
since maybe the since maybe what was the game that they since maybe the Mavericks game, Gary Trent has been a little he's gone a little bit cold. I think it's yeah. But then, but then, Reams, to be fair on him, he was shooting like 60% from the three. That was never going to be sustainable. That was sustainable, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, won't, I don't want to get onto him so much in that sense. I think, I think the, the Portland's backcourt has been okay. I'm not going to lie to you. I think, I think CJ done well yesterday. He was facilitating a lot of the moves, even in the beginning of the fourth. However, Nurkic, yeah. So on the pick and rolls, Nurkic is so slow. So it's really weird because Nurkic is good at dimes at the top of the key. Or, or, to, or the, just the top of outside the perimeter, and he can dish it quite well, stationary. However, in a pick and roll, he's so slow, his, his passes are so inaccurate, it's costing Portland on the offensive end. And defensively, he's so knackered, he's not doing anything. So he's literally, it's almost like playing against four man. And because of that, because he's so inefficient, both offensively and defensively, what, what really helped the Lakers, especially in game two and game three, is that they can double up on the guards. Because they can just, because AD can just leave Nurkic out outside the perimeter, go do your thing. Because his three point is not really dropping like that. So the, the Lakers defense doesn't really need to be that, that honest. So they can go double up on the guards, and that's nullifying, the port, it's nullifying Portland. So once again, defense is, is winning it for the Lakers, man. And they really rectified things from the first game. Oh, Yaz, you're on mute. I think, Obi, we're going to throw over to you over to the, over to the, the Heat Pacers series. Um, I did warn you, mate, that you gave the Pacers a little bit of credit yeah, there. Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> How has that been going? And and how? Is, I mean, to be fair, they've been quite tight games. That's the thing. Uh, I feel like I feel like every game's been kind of similar in that it's been really, really tight. But Miami have just closed all the all three games really well. Um, I think I did give Pacers a bit too much credit. Um, I did think this maybe they would nick at least one game. By those Pacers podcasts you were listening, to. <laughs> but like they Warren was going to average thirty points per game on sixty. Yeah, but I was hoping. <laughs> but that's the thing. So like the main one of the main things is obviously um, when uh, when Jimmy and um, TJ Royal got into that argument early in the season, Jimmy was like, "Oh yeah, I can guard him and he can't guard me." Like that's the difference basically. And to be honest, he's hundred percent correct. <laughs> um, TJ Warren's still shooting okay. Like I think I he's that, yeah, that against all the since they've been in the bubble against all the teams that aren't the Miami Heat, TJ Warren's averaging thirty yeah. point four points per game on like six point six shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the games against the Miami Heat, he's averaging like seventeen points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like fifty percent like that. That's the thing. And obviously he's still shooting okay, but he's shooting. I think his shooting's gone down. I think he was shooting twenty three shots against all those other teams. Uh, that, are, that weren't the Heat, but against the Heat in this series and the couple of games they played in the bubble, he's only taken 16 shots. So basically, the Heat are just saying, we're going to make someone else have to step up and beat us. And obviously, that's not happening. Um, game three last night, Malcolm Brogdon tried his hardest. Like, I think he got 13 points in the fourth quarter. I think he ended up with 34, 14 and 7 or something like that. But again, still wasn't enough. The Heat are just shooting ridiculously well from three. I think Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, even Jay Crowder, all mm-hmm. shooting well from three. Like, I mean, that was the when I did the my heat preview, I guess, in our very, very first pod. The only thing I had as a worry for them, because I was confident in their hustle, I was confident in their coaching, I was confident in their defensive flexibility. The only thing I was worrying for them is as the best shooting team in the NBA, is it sustainable in the playoffs? Mm. Duncan Robinson is amazing. He's yeah. gonna be he's gonna be the next Kyle Corver for the next 19 that's, years. That's literally what I was about to on say. every bench yeah. forever. That's what I was about um, to say. But yeah, like they seem to be okay. It's the Pacers, I get that. Mm. But they seem to be sustaining the shooting quality, how well they create the looks. 
what, what is the secret to their shooting apart from just good shooters? Is there anything you've noticed in terms of just how they move the ball or, or anything that you think, okay, that's how they're getting such good looks? I don't know. I feel like they always just keep, manage to keep it circulating. When you've got enough players in the team who can all move the ball quickly, even Bam Adebayo, like, as big as he is, is a really, really good passer for someone his size. Point centre. Yeah. And, like, I think they just manage to always keep the ball circling. They're always moving. Everyone's running off screens. And they always manage to, like, they keep managing to get open looks. And it's not like Pacers are a bad defensive team, but the amount of open shots that the Heat seem to get is just, like, it's abnormal. <laughs> and, like... One thing I've noticed about... One thing I've, like, when I've watched the Heat in, like, the few games I've watched them this season, I've noticed, like, they usually start Kendrick Nunn at the point guard. Like, Kendrick Nunn's a good player. Um, rookie. Shoot. I don't know why he's not playing in the bubble, though. Does anyone know why? Well, we are, I asked you that as well. Cause, and then you were like, Twitter agrees. They don't know why he is. Oh. I mean, to be fair, you cut it down to eight or nine man for the playoffs, and Dragic has been really good. That's so, true. That, 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 that's that's what, true. That, that was the point I was going to make. Go on, Dragic. Dragic is better than averaging like 20, I think. Yeah. Dragic has been coming off the bench all season for Kendrick Nunn. And every time I watch Miami, I'm like, Dragic is still a better player than Kendrick Nunn is. So mm. I don't know if he's just doing that because he's like a good model pro and he deserves to help the team. Mm. I'm thinking Dragic should be getting Kendrick Nunn's minutes. It should be switching around because Dragic he's, he's a he's, he's a much better facilitator than Kendrick. Yeah, Nunn. Reams. This is this is one thing Reams though is I think happens too little in the NBA is, is that like especially as a Celtics fan in our season with Hayward Brown, Kyrie Tatum, and you were like, how are these lot getting minutes? Smart as well. I don't think enough teams just see it as a whole game. I think there's so much attributed to this starting five. Right? Look at Lou Will and Harold. They're, they're the sixth and seventh man a lot of the time. And but they're, they're equally stars of their side. And against second units as well, they can really separate things. Like, through the regular season, I, I don't think it happens enough that people were just coming off the bench. And I always was like, when we had Haywood and Brown come off the bench, we looked worldy. But then there's the other. Oh, they want to start. You get the same minutes. It's an ego thing. It's an ego yeah. I think you say you need, you need to be a top pro like Dragic has proved to be. Yeah. And well, shout, um, shout out to to Tyler Hero. I'm liking the look of him, man. That's my rookie. That's my rookie. Yeah, man. He just oh, they just shoot. So it's, obviously, I've been watching RJ Barrett all season, yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> and like he's like when I watch Tyler Hero, like the shooting mechanics or whatever you call it, like is just so clean compared to someone like RJ Barrett. No oh. offense, but it I just. I mean, Obi, you're not sound. the only one hurting. Hero <laughs> went 13th and we had the 14th pick and I'm pretty sure we were going to uh, take him at 13. Uh, so okay. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit. Sinned. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Danny Age can't keep getting away with it. There's no way we get Tyler Hero. <laughs> no. The basketball gods were like, no. He no. can't keep doing it. They had to stop that one. They had to put a stop to that one. So Obi, uh, one last, one last one. I, I think it is going to be a sweep. That was my yeah. shot. Um, of my, maybe the only one that I thought was going to be a sweep. Do you think uh, in the second round this Heat team could be a real problem for the Bucks, stylistically, quality-wise, or do you think they just won't really have enough? We'll do a longer preview, but just a quick sort of uh, view on that. I think they can definitely give them trouble. It just depends, like if they can, like they've proved so far that they can keep up the way they're scoring. So if they can keep doing that. I think there's always a chance that they can that they can win the series. To be honest. And they're like one of the few, I feel, I don't know if you guys agree, but they're one of the few squads uh, in the NBA where I look at them thinking like, they haven't got any like crap players. Like, I don't think anyway. Like sometimes I look at the Lakers or whoever and I'm like, yeah, you've got some dead players on your squad. 
but with Miami, I always feel like there's always people who are willing Everyone's to give you solid, yeah, yeah, yeah valuable like minutes. Eight that rotation of players that could be starting out of the teams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, I, I see that with the, the Raptors kind of have a bit of that as well. They have like a solid like rotation of like starting quality players, mm. like guys like the Bastards coming off the bench, Norman Powell, starting out of the teams. Those are the two teams that the uh, Bucks don't want to see, man. Those two teams, I think, have the exact uh, minerals that will make it very troublesome for. And they're for the probably Bucks. good if they get past one, they'll see the other. I reckon. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. listen, yeah. Uh, Moreo, I'm going to ask you to keep this one short for two reasons. We're going to talk about Bucks Orlando. I know you've been enjoying it. Surprisingly, as a series, obviously there was a shock win at the start for Orlando. Since gone two one two to Bucks. I'm going to keep it short for two reasons. Number one. I think Bucks being in the lead is expected. Number two, the next series we go, we go on to, I think there's a lot of people who are going to have a lot to say, as the group chat this morning has shown. Um, so my main question for the Bucks is, have you seen enough in their two wins, and I guess their loss against Orlando, to tell you if they are real, legit contenders this time, as opposed to the last two years? Um, no, and I'd say probably that's not because of Giannis. I'm, I'm more looking at... Uh, Chris Middleton, uh, affectionately called Addy Middleton by my boy Reeves. Um, <laughs> he, he's he's the second he's the second man for for the Bucks, and essentially, uh, how I see it is your, your your number one option is a guy who can get a team fifty regular forty five to fifty regular seasons and wins as the main man. Your number two is a guy who, if he's a main man, his team maybe just about makes the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, they just 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 lose a, a playoff spot. I don't think Chris Middleton is of that level. Uh, he's had a really good season. 20 points a game, was very efficient from all, all over the court. He's struggling against Orlando. He's struggling against Orlando. I think he's averaging 11 points a game at the moment. Um, he's improved in game three. He got 17 points, so he's trending in the right direction. Um, you're also looking at Eric Bledsoe. He's actually done well, but just like last season's playoffs, he does well in the earlier rounds. You're playing the worst teams. It's when you get to the later teams that you then see, okay, um, do you still have that aggressiveness? Now you're, you're you're overthinking it because you're not necessarily a good shooter, but I keep feeding you the ball. You either have to decide to shoot it straight away or you have to decide I'm crashing into the paint and I'm either going to get to the rim or I'm going to pick up some free throws. So uh, I'm looking at Chris Middleton. He's not doing too well. Brooke Lopez, again, he started slowly, but he grabbed 20, 20 points in their game three win. We need to see more. We need to see more. I, you still do have to remember that these guys are getting their legs back under them. Uh, in game three, even Bledsoe, who's probably one of the most athletic point guards in the league, went up and you're expecting him to dunk, and he just didn't quite have the lift. And he just had to, he just had to, like, Bledsoe's not dunk. What? Like, yeah, obviously, he came back to the bubble a bit later than everybody else because I think he had COVID. Um, yeah, I haven't seen enough yet. Like, like I've said, I think the, the, from what I've seen, the magic being able to do to them, I think the Raptors and the Heat will, will provide problem for them. Giannis has been brilliant, but it's expected. Um, Gordon and Isaac are both out and they're the guys who, who had the, the length the, the speed and the strength to keep him honest, he's just eating he's just eating in the paint man, he's just eating in the paint, he's getting into the paint, they, they try and defend the, 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 the rim and they try and defend the rim and kind of block him out um, but if they leave even a gap Boom, boom, boom. He's there and he's already at the rim. He, or if he's getting really close. Like you just said, the Magic are missing their three best defenders. There's no Jonathan Isaac who's their best defender. Yeah, yeah. There's no Aaron Gordon. Who is like, 
a good defender that can kind of... definitely a good... He, he's, this season, he's done well against Giannis as well. And Michael Carter-Williams. No, 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 no Bamba, no Michael Carter-Williams. Like, when you look at the people who are out, like, it's a good defensive team on its own. Obviously, the guys that they brought in now, they're a bit smaller, a bit more um, quicker, which means that they're able to kind of guard the paint, then close out their shooters a bit quicker than the aforementioned guys. And they're slightly better three-point shooters. But I think we saw the best of that in game one. And now the quality is showing out. And I'm not really expecting them to, to, win, any, to win any other games. I mean, um, you look at uh, the Bucks shooting stats and game one, it was 43% from the field, 33% from three. Game two, it was 47% from the field, 36% from three. And last night, it was 56% from the field and 45% from three. Um, the Magic are a good defensive team, but the Bucks are in their groove now. And I think for them, it's probably feeding Middleton. You need to get him confident because we know what Giannis is about. He plays with intensity. He knows who he is. And he's just going to keep going at you again and again and again. But he has to have that confidence that when I kick it out to you guys, you're going to make your shots. You're going to keep them honest. You're going to make those shots. So that gives me just that little bit more space. Because like I say, he gets that crease in the paint. One, two steps, he's at the rim. And he's either he's scoring it, he's getting the offensive rebound, or he's picking up some free throws. I probably just want to improve on his 60, 65, 70% free throw shooting percentage. But no, yeah, I haven't, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen enough from the Bucks yet to say that they're, they're a better team than last year to get out of the East. Okay, and just a final word on uh, Chris Middleton being Abdi Middleton. I showed my Somali wife this guy and asked, where do you think he's from? And I can confirm that that is a verified comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right? yes, definitely. That's Mogadishu's finest. I'm telling you, like. Although, 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 Lookman Williams a bit more Eritrean apparently. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. we'll, see as well, yeah. we'll see if when the braids come out, that can go back to to where we expect. But but yeah, uh, Abdi Middleton certified stamped rubber bomb. Uh, uh, I'm going to come over now to the last series we're going to cover. Um, and this is one where well, you've got to be nice to each other. Obviously, a lot of people's favourites are involved. Um, <laughs> right, get into night, it, man. Get into it. Last night, surprisingly to me, to be fair, because I thought it was looking like the tide was definitely flowing one way for the Houston Rockets. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder took a game back after overtime, 119 to 107 against the Rockets. Just some stat lines to start this off. James Harden, three of 13 from three. Yikes. Eric Gordon, two of 10 from three. Yikes. Robert Covington only attempting two. And I think if the Rocket, you talk about a make or miss league, I don't think there's a make or miss team more so than the Rockets. And I think it maybe showed how their run to these conference finals can be stopped if, if, if they get stifled. Now, I didn't watch this game, so I don't know for sure if that tells the whole story. Um, I know that Chris Paul took ownership of things a little bit in overtime. Um, but yeah, listen, I ain't watched any of this series, so I'm all ears to who's going to come out of it. Sai, Reams, and Moreo, I know you've got a lot to say on this one. So Let these guys kick off proceedings. Everything, everything you just said is, is absolutely spot on, right? They shot really poorly last night, but they still should have won the game. They still should have. They threw the. They threw the game away, and that's not like a. I mean, quite literally, they threw the game away. And this is the. This is why I'm not too worried about last night's loss because they could. Their 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 main shooters could shoot so poorly, 
and they can and they're still in there. They're still a game that they the should margin, have won. The margin, the margin of error is so great. <laughs> yeah, what other team can say that your your main guys are going four, five of twenty from three, and it's a game you still should have won? Listen, there was twenty two seconds left. Oh, um, there's twenty two seconds left. Um, two points up. There was two points up. Chris Paul committed a foul. Chris Paul committed a foul. They shot like a they 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 got possession, and then they throw it to Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon trips over, <laughs> and they throw the ball away. In the very <laughs> next possession, OKC, Chris Paul makes a great play, gets it to Shai Gidges Alexander, and he drains the free, puts him up by one. They go up the other end. Daniel House gets fouled, goes to the free throw line, two free throws to put them up. He misses one. It goes to overtime. Fifty seconds into overtime, James Harden fouls out. Chris Paul takes over. They win. Here's the thing. OKC just, they don't have enough to win this series. They don't have enough. They don't have enough to beat Houston Rockets four times. It should be 3-0 right now. And they, and, and the reason is they just don't, they can't consistently either put, get runs and get momentum to put Houston away and they can't consistently find their offense to catch them up if Houston build up build up a big lead. They can't um, they can't get easy buckets. They, they have to work. They don't get any <laughs> they can't get any easy buckets. And however, however uh Reams, just sorry, just to interrupt there. I have to give big credit for Houston and their defense, man. Like we <laughs> we, we, we go on about their small ball here. They are honestly they're like Duracell bunnies, every single one of them. They're so active. active. They are everywhere. They're in your face. Everyone. It's such a weird defense to 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 um basically and 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 and, I, and it's another thing I touch on as well. Houston's defense is such like a hard defense to match up against. OKC's kind of offensive structure has been thrown out the window. It's just they they've made them. It's, it's like they're forcing OKC just to ISO. They do to everybody. Yeah, yeah. They're forcing OKC to ISO, 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 and and that's really killing them. And there's no ball movement. They're all stagnant. It's, you get the ball to Dennis Schroeder, he tries to go to the rim. You get the ball to Chris Paul, he's trying to beat guys off the dribble on the perimeter. He doesn't have that burst anymore. He has to kick it to, to Shea. It's like a, they'll, they'll try to shoot a free late in the shot clock. They, just, they force Houston to kind of abandon any offensive structure they've had and force them to try to rely on the individual quality of their players, which is going to... Just a quick one. Reem, Sai, whoever has something to say on this, you talk about Houston forcing teams to just rethink everything. From the... From Far away, this doesn't seem to have happened, but from far away and on paper, you could have argued, okay, they're such a small team that maybe someone like Steven Adams could be really significant. It doesn't seem like he's had a huge part to play. Why is that? Embarrassment. He's an embarrassment. Yeah, he's been very bad. <laughs> so the main the main reason for that is um I noticed particularly in game two, the Rockets are playing like a partial two-free zone. So what that means is they have two guys at the top of uh the key pretty much, uh guarding the perimeter players. And then they sort of wall up on the um, on the baseline. Yeah, yeah. So what that does is it gives Harden a bit of an easy out where he can basically just monitor the corner for any kickouts. Um, but what it does for players like Stephen Adams is it basically makes him have to go to work against three players. He's not the most proficient player at passing out of the post, and he doesn't really have any go-to moves in the post either. So you basically force him to isolate in the low block um 
that caused quite a few turnovers in game two. Um, game three, it was, it was a little bit different because uh, OKC did figure out ways to generate a little bit of offense, even though it does take away the pick and roll. Um, so over the, over the course of the game, I did see it more as a game of uh, defense than a make or miss type of game, because a lot of the looks that Houston were getting were low quality looks in, in my perception, which we have a conversation about quite often. Um, the, in, the most interesting thing about the whole series so far is game two and game three, um, Lou Dort, a uh, player that probably nobody's heard of. Um, he's a 6'3", 215 pound ball of muscle pretty much who just stifled, hardened, mirrored him move for move, really, really kept him honest, didn't really allow him to go to his step back. And I think he basically guarded him for like three of 17. So I think in, in, in my history of seeing Harden play, I don't think I've seen a player play better defense on him, man to man. No, side. this reminds me of another series in the first round between these exact same teams in 2017, right? And it's basically the same thing. It's like Harden, it was OKC versus the Thunder. Westbrook yeah. was the MVP, Harden was second. And in that series, the guy that was on Harden was Andre Robeson. And Andre Robeson gave him all sorts of problems. But just the quality of their role players, Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, Ryan Anderson, they just couldn't miss, basically. That, that was the difference. And Westbrook, really, it was, it was Westbrook and in Jesus' name, basically. And, <laughs> and, and, um, and OKC literally like mirrored Robeson's minutes to Harden's. And in the end, Robeson was playing such good defense on Harden, they, they started hacking him. They started hacking him. Because Robinson's like a 40% shooter from the free throw line. So they started hacking him. So OKC had to take him out of the game. And that's basically what's going on with Dort now. Like, um, Dort is playing such good defense on Harden. Like, Harden could only eat when Dort is not on him. And he's, you know, like, he, he got 38 points or whatever he got, Sai. Like, and, like, all of them was on Dennis Schroeder and like, guys like that. Like, yeah. Dort is playing such good defense on him. Like, Harden is... is, is Harden... Can't get by him. He and 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 the and the thing that's so unique about Dort as a defender is he's one of the few defenders that doesn't guard Harden and is so desperate to dip their hand in the cookie jar and bail exactly. him out by fouling. Yeah. His 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 lateral quickness is so good. He can move his feet so good. He's built so strong and physical. He could control Harden with his chest. That's and strength. It's, that's strength. Strength. it's all leg strength. This is the thing. Everyone talks about, 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 about in the East. You need a Yanis stopper, right? Yeah. Listen, for years now, there's been articles on why players can't guard Harden. You had Ricky Rubio at some point last year or the year before defending him behind him just yeah. to try something. So <laughs> for someone to be coming out in their first year in the league and just be having Harden on lock is, is unreal. Since, Ro since Robeson, I've never seen someone make Harden. Like, Harden is, Harden's a guy, his whole game is like based on like deception, like tricking people. Precisely. He's like... He's he, he's deceptively quick. He he lulls you into kind of like a little, into a little like hip, hypnotism, and then he goes by you so quickly. Lou Dort is not falling for any of that, and he's so quick, he's so quick. Whenever Harden tries to do that, he's not, he's never, he doesn't have to cheat. He doesn't have to cheat. Like so, Harden can't shift go go by him. Harden can't. Harden's a big physical guy. He can't body him up. He's built just as physically as Harden. That's it. When when the deception with the dribbling doesn't work, he just starts using his strength. 
and when the, and he can't even use his strength now. So it's like, where do I go? So I don't know when. when do, um, sorry, sorry for for cutting. That's nah, fine. Go on. So one one of the one of the things that I noticed as well is a lot of teams they try to switch on the screens. Uh, both teams in this last two games, especially, have been feigning the switch. So the the two players. The man who's uh, with the screen man, he sort of hedges over and then they separate again to basically make it so they can stay man-to-man -man on these guys. Um, credit to the zone defense that both have been playing. And with, with Dort in particular, he's been forcing Harden to play iso ball, which is almost unheard of. And it shows the confidence that he has in A, his footwork, his lateral movement and his strength, which for me all comes from his legs anyway. Uh, to basically just not have to cheat on defense. A lot of what Harden does great is he'll force you to take a hard step to the left or the right so he can basically just retreat or force you to basically play him too tight so he can blow by you. And Dort has been able to keep a lot of separation and keeping his arms basically down a lot of the time to just say, you're going to have to beat me with footwork, which I don't think you can do, which again is unheard of, but... It's beautiful to see. I'll tell you what, Sai. Um, our first courtside crash course for new fans, new listeners is going to be dropping probably next week on on basketball positions. I'm drafting you in. I'm drafting you in yeah. to do the defense, mate. And we'll, we'll talk about zone and man and and all of that good stuff. I'll ask a quick question on this series, uh, Obi. Sorry, what's up? So, yeah, quick question. Um, so, assuming that uh, Rockets win this series, obviously you've just spent a few minutes waxing lyrical about um, the defense from Dort. Is there? Any, I think they'd play the Lakers, right? If they win this series. Yeah. So, is there anyone in the Lakers who could possibly defend Harden no. like that? No, no, not a damn person. <laughs> also, the Lakers. The Lakers. The Lakers gave up what the Rockets want them to give up. Like all of Portland's good work came from the perimeter. Came from McCollum. Came from uh, Lillard. There wasn't really anyone who can drive and kick for Portland. So you add that dimension to what the Rockets can do. Um, I think that's probably the second round we will see, and there'll be a big preview on that. But Rockets in seven. Rockets in five, mate. I don't, <laughs> I, I, think, no. I, I don't think it will go. I think the Rockets will get them out there in six. Mm, mm, mm. I like how that's been about that. AD to get you two games, 100%. Yeah, I like and the big difference in that matchup is that the Rockets, the Rockets can defend as well. Like, Joe Bezos can't defend. And when one, the best person to guard Harden on the, on the Lakers will probably Avery Bradley, and that's a bad matchup anyway because Avery Bradley is not big enough to guard Harden. Mm. He's a great defender, but he's just not big enough. And, and, he, even, and he didn't even come. <laughs> Danny Green is gonna have the worst. He's washed. Danny he's Green. Washed. He's Danny, washed. He's washed. Last night I couldn't <laughs> believe Danny Green. He was. He, he, I was saying. I was saying when I was watching. It, I was saying to Yas before the pod started. He moves like his feet are made of lead. Like, he's lost all sort of movement. He can't get elevation oh, on his jumper anymore. Mario and me were talking about there's some athletes where, just because last year he was winning a ring, contributing to the Raptors, but there's some athletes who, when they hit their early, mid-30s, in the off-season, they take 5%, 7% off. And then the next year, these lot are so highly uh, conditioned, you just see it. And, and you can't get it back. It's crazy. That's why yes, LeBron... Sanchez, that's why LeBron invests what he does because you, anyone, listen, anyone could be a Danny Green. Anyone could be a Danny Green if they don't look after themselves. He's finished. I think Caruso is probably the best the Lakers have mm. to look yeah, after yeah. Harden, and that's not yeah. going to go well. Oh, yeah. He's going to go for 40 easy. 
Do you know what, do you know what guys? If you're wondering why I'm not speaking yeah, please just... <laughs> <laughs> for those people listening you're wondering oh why is Harold speaking our Lakers correspondent just, just wait for it to drop on YouTube and my face will tell you everything they, they, they need to see um, there's one thing I will say of the Lakers yeah that is not sustainable even if we somehow manage to, to guard Harden at a decent level we need to hit our free throws it is outrageously poor mm. like honestly there's that's the one thing in the game and i'm speaking this as no professional athlete at all however i believe there's no excuse for not hitting these shots you're under zero pressure there's no coverage it's just the same upwards motion we are shooting 65 percent in the postseason from as three. a team we that's shot perfect. as a team we shot 20 23 23 more free throws than portland yesterday Guys, it ended up being, I think it was like a six-point game. Guys, we should have won that game by the third. We shot 23 more free throws. You hear what I'm saying? 65%. Adam Silver can't keep getting away with that as well. So you guys got to make the most of it. While and, and, you know, and you know my thing as well, and I think I said it again on the first podcast that we, we did, is that for me, free throws are the best indicator of somebody's shooting ability. So it is the most muscle memory shot that you have where you literally repeat the same form again and again and again and again. Like you, you shoot and your shooter shoots from all over the court and depending on where he shoots from, he has to put different spins on the ball, etc., etc. A free throw, you're taking the same shot again and again and again. I was going back and forth with somebody about it last night because they were saying, ah, oh, LeBron can't be the GOAT if he struggles from the line. I was like, come on, he's a 70% he's a shooter, but you're right. Um, he avoid sometimes getting contacts late in games because he yeah. doesn't want to have to decide the game at the, yeah. at the, the free LeBron throw line. Is, the LeBron one is the most confusing to me because and, 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 and not like he different. hasn't got range. It's not like he can't no, shoot. No, no. I, I feel like it's a mentality thing more it than... It 100% is. That, that's exactly what I was about to say, Reems. And I watched him closely. Late in the... Even the third yesterday, he was at the line. And you see him go up and shoot. And as he, he, he missed... He shot, scored one and missed one. And you just see, just watch his body language. Honestly, that's the best indication. Watch his body language. He's just, I've never seen Ron do this. He just puts his head down. Just puts his head down, like, almost <laughs> like, almost like he's just really disappointed in himself. He, because it, it's, it's embarrassing that he can't make an 80, 85% clip. But you say mental, the, the, the free throw shooting form as well is ugly. Like, he's, 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 he doesn't... He's always changing it. He's always trying to change it up. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky, uh, Ricky Rubio, when Ricky Rubio played for the Timberwolves, Timberwolves yeah, he was like, a brick, like he couldn't make anything yet. But he was like the best free throw shooter we've ever had. Like, I'm not lying. Like, there's a period of time where he made like 75. Like, you know, when you get like a technical and you choose a free throw shooter, like we have yeah. chat, we had like Ricky Rubio was our free throw shooter and he couldn't mm. make a free to save his life. You could leave him, you could give him 25 minutes to line up everything and he couldn't make one. But he would always make his free throw because he was just so comfortable. And there, there are players in the that improve as well. Huh? There are players that improve with it year on year as well. What? And then there's Russell Westbrook, right? Who his whole career, Russell Westbrook's been like an 83% free throw shooter. Mm. And then like, and then one season, like they changed the rule where like he had to change his routine. Like, you know, players have their routines that they go Yeah, and he's very yeah, much so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he went from like 83% to like 69%. And you're like, how the hell? I remember is, that, actually. How the hell could something like that happen? Like, it's just, it, it's, it, it's, free throw shooting is as much in the head as it is like. Just a yeah, last but, one before before we go. I want to go over to Mario for the last last word on that uh, Rockies OKC series. But last one on the Lakers. Although LeBron went from seventy percent, AD 
50% from the line. That's yeah, crazy because he was shooting really well this season. season. I mean, maybe he flashed money from the line. I'm not too worried. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Um, Moreo, last word on OKC Rockets. We've heard from Reams that they don't have enough to turn this around at all. Chris Paul, does he have enough in the tank at all? No, of course not. This is a 35-year-old washed Chris Chris Paul. And he's 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 running on fumes, to be honest. I just kind of just wanted him to have a, a good game in this series because at some point, me and Sai are going to do a, a, a tragic tale of Chris Paul pod. And I, I, I want to have something from this season to be able to throw in his face. So, um, he, I, he was... <laughs> go on. Can I, can, I, can, I just, can I just have one point on Chris Paul? There, there's, I don't know if Sai noticed it as well, but there was something a little bit different about this game. The reason why this is such a bad matchup for Chris Paul is because Chris Paul's whole game is around abusing mismatches and just being intelligent, basically. And in this series, he can't really do that. But what he's kind of done is he's, he's, he's kind of assessed the Rockets players and he's decided my best chance of getting anything in the season is going to be on P.J. Tucker. Yeah. And that's basically what he did. And that's basically yeah. what he did. He's gone, where's the biggest guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. P.J. Tucker. P.J. a great defender, but he's, he, he, he's better at guarding bigger, more physical guys. Fact, so Chris fact, like, fact. My craftiness and my, my little bit of quickness. <laughs> and that, that's basically what he did. He got most but, of the uh, from P.J. Tucker. And that's what, that's what you have to do. He went in no part of Austin Rivers as well after he <laughs> yanked on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's 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 where oh, he is at. at you can't stay in front of Austin Rivers anymore. He can't. Yeah, that, that, that's where he is at this point. I mean, this is uh, this is Houston without Westbrook. So, boy, yeah, um, good show in OKC, but thanks for coming, a gentleman's sweep. Yeah. Cool boys. I think that's I think that's time for today. Um, got a lot into that, a lot a lot of content into that. Um, just a reminder to anybody listening, as of this week past, we are on Patreon. So that's www patreon.com forward slash courtside fracker as you will have seen today there is so much nba content that we're not able to condense into these sunday pods so there will be a minimum of one extra additional piece of content in the week what we're looking to do uh, with that support is just improve and improve and improve whether that be interviews specific features historical um features deep dives as as was on wednesday in specific games and specific matchups um, and that's where you will be finding our courtside crash course as well, which is just for those who are interested in basketball, looking to get in, but their experience delves about as far as my career on 2K, we will be going through everything you can to get you well up to speed uh, before these NBA finals. Um, so, boys, listen, good pod, man. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for your time. Thanks for joining. And I'll see all of you next week. Mamba Day tomorrow as well. Mamba Day tomorrow. Mamba Day tomorrow. All right, boys. All right, peace, guys. Podcast Network.